0: to finding your genius zone with Dirk Novell. It's not just a job. It's not just a paycheck. Or at least it doesn't have to be. With the help of experts across industries, Dirk helps you find your passion and career, as well as exposing the unknown parts of every vocation. Let's go deep. Let's find your genius zone right now. Here's Dirk Novell.
1: Hey everyone, this is Dirk and I have on with me uh, a special guest, someone that I've really looked forward to interviewing, Charlie Canoon. Um, I've been, you know, since I've known him, uh, not, it hasn't been long, but I'll give you a quick history into that, but I call him coach. So my exposure to Charlie or coach, um, you know, we have lived in the Somquamme North Bend area and my son was kind of coming of age in the junior high ranks and was exposed to Charlie uh, in the football uh, camps and so forth. And I was uh, always, always super impressed. He just had a way about it. And I was super excited to, and hopeful that my son would grow up through high school and, and have exposure to Charlie. Charlie ended up, um, you know, he can tell you his story. Uh, he's no longer coaching, but he's super involved. But he's just a guy that stood out. And when I think of people in their zone of genius doing what's, um, you know, what's innate, uh, you know, Charlie is a guy that comes to mind. So I'm going to let Charlie talk a little bit about his career you know as a teacher also as a coach football coach and uh you know he's also been doing some things r- in recent years as well that kind of stand out so i'll let coach take it from here
0: great Dirk. thank you very much and i appreciate the uh the opportunity to share spend a little time with you and share some of my thoughts and and uh uh, it's really an honor to be able to climb on with you and and chat and and uh, share with your viewers uh, some thoughts and uh, you know this this idea of finding your zone of genius is um, so appropriate for today's day and age and and um, you know I've been a teacher and a coach for 35 years now I got my first coaching job actually I coached before I taught. I was an undergraduate assistant at Western Washington University in beautiful Bellingham, Washington. Um, injuries forced me out of the game, and I was unable to, you know, fulfill my playing days like most of us ex-jocks. Something kind of edges us out of, out of the game at some point, and um, it was injuries for me. And, and thankfully, our coach at the time, Paul Hansen, um, came to me and asked if I would, if I would coach. Um, And if I would consider coaching and I was 21 years old at the time and um, gosh, I was an undergraduate and I thought, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to be able to do that. I love the sport. Um, Competition is really, really important to me and a big part of my life. What would I do without it? So I took him up on it. And for the next three years, I was on the coaching staff um, at Western Washington University as as an undergraduate assistant. And so um, not long after that, you know, I went and did my student teaching at Kent Ridge High School in Kent um, and volunteered on the football staff. Um, and then, interestingly enough, I was able to get hired there the very next year um, on as, as a football coach um, and a social studies teacher. And the rest is history. I've uh, applied for, for the head football job in 1992. Um, at Mount Sai High School, growing up in Issaquah, I always liked the east side, um, the area, the g- part of the geography we call the east side of Lake Washington. And I kind of wanted to get back there. I loved my time in Kent, but I wanted that challenge of being a head coach. And so I applied and was fortunate enough to win that job and, and start my career as a head football coach and social studies teacher at Mount Sai High School. And I did that for 30 years hard strong uh put everything into it um every ounce of energy that i had and i loved every minute of it um it did not come without its challenges and um there were tough times along the way for sure but i loved it and i love the people i did it with and um, i think that you'll find as we continue to talk that doing it with people and along with Good people is what it's all about.
1: Um, That's a great introduction. One thing I wanted to point out, you know, I was a sports guy too. my family, uh, football, my dad, brother, cousin. Uh, One of the things about you, Charlie, um, not to brag on yourself, but I remember reading uh, the Seattle times and I think there was an all state team and I believe you were on that team. Correct. Uh, yeah. Yep. And what was, what was your position? What'd you play?
0: You know, in high school, I was, a, I played both, both sides of the ball. I was a center and a linebacker. Okay. I always, I always thought I was a defensive minded guy and I liked playing linebacker. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was, um, you know, talented enough to play both sides of the ball. And so I played center Okay, and love both, both positions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My cousin was a center for the Huskies in 91, 92, um, same the, last name, same. Yeah. Jim Novell, his name, um. Uh, call, I, know, I know that
0: name. Yeah, I know the connection.
1: Yeah, they called him Rocco. He was uh, about 300 pounds, six foot, but he looked small on that line. Uh, there, sure. was some, there were some big boys playing at that time. Um, well, I love, your, I love the background. So, when you think about real kind of getting in, like people are tuning in right now when they see teacher and coach, yeah. when you sit back and have a root beer or whatever and you think about, do you identify more with being a teacher? And I know as a coach, you're teaching life but do you think of yourself more as a football coach or a teacher? I'm a teacher. Okay.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, I love the classroom. I'm still in the classroom. I'm, I'm still teaching. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than I look, uh, so I still have a few good years left. And, um, you know, I'm a teacher, you know, and I teach uh, social studies. I teach student leadership and, and I teach football um they just happen to call me coach
1: got it yeah um
0: so let's get a little bit i mean what this podcast
1: really is is anybody can read a job description or get a feeling for what a teacher is about or a coach or whatever um what i'm really after is some of the some of the uh, awarenesses and visibility that you've experienced and some of the things that have kind of um come to you over the years that you know if our audience is Uh, 20, 23, 24-year-old kids that are coming out of school thinking about choosing their life work. What are some of the things you might be able to share that maybe isn't so obvious about your career path that would be important for them to know before they invest time and money and resources?
0: You know, it's kind of cliche-ish. It really is. But uh, the older I get, the more and more I'm even more sold on this idea of doing what you love to do. Doing what you like to do, doing what you love to do. If you enjoy, you know, going off to work every day, and you love what you're doing, you're really not going to work, you know. And I never felt like I was going to work. I haven't gone to work in a day of my life, you know. Uh, but now I look back at it, and it's like, wow, I've strung together 35 years of teaching and coaching, and um, I enjoyed, you know, driving to work every day, and it was because uh, my i enjoyed what i was doing and who i was doing it with you know you want to surround yourself with really really good people and people that you want to be with because when you teach and coach you you're not alone you're with people and you're doing it alongside of people and you're doing it for people you know and so that's that's really really important to me you know and when i talk to young people you know find out what your passions are Find out what you love, and you know go get after. You know go go for that. And you might be sitting back going, "There's no money in it." Um, Well, money is important, you know, and don't let anybody tell you it isn't important. But you can make money at the things that you love. You just have to be creative, and you have to get connected with the right people. And so you really need to search out people in your field or in that area of interest. And, you know, cozy up to them, cuddle up to them and learn from them and find out how they're doing it and and how you could work along with them and help them and and start building those relationships in the in in the realm that that brings you joy. So I'm glad you brought the money
1: thing up that let's talk about that, if you don't mind, for a second, because my assumption is I always try to speak in the I language, but I, I will say I think many people might have um ideas or thoughts about making a certain type of income and maybe you know maybe they shy away from teaching and coaching because of voices in their head uh family society you know thinking they need to do this have a nice house you know live on the lake whatever whatever mm-hmm. voices are in their head can you speak to like the creativity of like how you can um make additional income compensation. Like I had a, a, a guest last week who was a, a close teacher of mine that runs pole vaulting camps. Uh, and he has some of the best in the country. And, you know, that was a dream of his, he used to be a pole vaulter himself, but like for somebody that's like, Hey, I really want to coach and teach, but I really want to maintain a certain lifestyle. What would you say to that person?
0: You know, um, I, I, I mean, I did that. I I raised, a, a, you know, re, we raised two kids. Uh, you know, here in the Snoqualmie Valley, um, it's extremely competitive. I'm living amongst uh, people that make a lot more money than I do, um, and in a sense, you're competing every day. Uh, you know, in, in in the economy that we have, and so uh, money is important. Um, but again, I found ways like your. Your former teacher and coach there, you know, I ran camps, you know, that's where you, we kind of got exposure with each other. There is I ran junior league camps and, um, you know, um, uh, training, physical training camps, speed and agility camps for many, many, many years. And and I made some extra money in doing that. And so um, you just you find again, you find things. I mean, I don't know how many times I was standing in the middle of the field there at Mount Sai High School in the middle of July. Nobody else, none of my teaching colleagues are around. Nobody else is around. And there I was. But I'm sitting there in the middle of July looking at the prettiest mountain I've ever seen in Mount Sai. And I'm going, where where else would I rather be? I mean, if I want to be on a beach in Hawaii, I'll do that in December, you know. Um, And because I'm doing these extra camps, I'll have a little extra money so I can you know, treat my kids to a vacation and we can go do those kinds of things. So, you know, you just got, you have to hustle. I mean, yep. it's, it's not easy, but you have to hustle and you need, um, you need a, you know, you need family members and partners in your life that will support that. And I was lucky enough that to, to have a wife who also grew up in a teacher coaching coach's household, and she knew the drill before we ever got married. So, you know, I didn't have that pull, you know she was all in and she knew that we had to do extra things to be able to afford and live and compete in this in this economy here in the Puget Sound and so you know it 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 is hard work it's timely but yeah. i enjoyed every minute of it
1: i yeah. love it so, um yeah and i remember seeing you i'm being out i coached as well um the junior league and watching you out there in the middle of these kids and talking to them and you know, I always think about like success and I'm like, to me, that's success right there. Like you're yeah. imp- you're impacting kids and it's a two way street. You're getting as much out of it as they are, uh, if yes. not more. Um, one of the things that, you know, it, not that my podcast is um, political, but one of the, I guess I'm gonna ask you this since you're a teacher is, you know, the politics of being a teacher. Um, and you know, the you talked about, the people you work with is crucial and it's important, like whether they're other teachers or people that are running the high school or whatever. If, are there concerns or things that you would throw out to people that may, uh, yeah, people with strong opinions, people that are maybe politically lean one way pretty heavy or not, like in the world of teaching, um, do you have flexibility to be who you are or is there, do you feel like there's a pressure to conform to the way it—I mean, I don't know if I'm articulating it the right way—but you know, I'm a very free spirit. I think I would have been really bad in the military. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know how I'd be as a teacher, um, especially in the last few years. I think with the pandemic, I was really challenged personally. Yeah. Um, is that—is that something that you would caution kids or adults in getting into this? Uh, you or know, do you? Yeah,
0: yeah. no, I—I I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Dirk. Um, I teach social studies. I'm teaching a civics class right now. And, um, you know, I have never been pressured in 35 years by an administrator ever or by a department chair ever about what I teach, how I teach. Um, I've never been pressured by parents. Um, And I, I take on controversial issues and I teach kids about civil discourse and how to have conversations civilly and disagree and still walk out and go have lunch together. You know, I disagree politically with some of my very best friends yeah. and we tease each other, but but we love each other, you know, um, and we will get in serious conversations and then we're able to flush it and move on and and enjoy each other's company. And so um, I am just the opposite of shying away from controversial issues and shying away from that. I have so much confidence in my ability to stay down the middle of the road, to argue both sides of an opinion and allow the student to decide. This is their classroom, not my classroom. That's the taxpayer's classroom. You know, it is it's my job to help the students understand how to think, not what to think, you know, and so I work really, really hard and take a lot of pride on being able to stand and deliver on controversial issues and talk about it and give students, you know, the different sides of an argument and let them choose. You know, and um, so it's funny that you bring that up because that's really, really important to me because I'm, I'm a social studies teacher, yeah. you know, and um, and I want my kids to come into that classroom and not feel like, um, you know, they have to they have to be on one side of a, an issue or another or they're not going to get along with the teacher. Yep. That is horrible you know, um, they've got to be able to express themselves and feel comfortable expressing themselves. And we literally have to celebrate our different ideas on things.
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, The reason that I asked the question is like, it's an example of kind of the the ways of thinking in terms of choosing a career, not like, hey, being a doctor and helping people sounds exciting, but like understanding like some people really want to make an impact and some people want to be Individual, they want to be unique and make their unique impact. And so, I guess the question was really about: in this day and age, is it difficult for a teacher to do that? Um, and it sounds like it's not. So, I think you answered the question.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, you you can make it difficult, you know. Um, but I think you need to um, understand what you're getting yourself into and, and take pride in, on. On at times being neutral and understanding that it's the taxpayers' classroom, it yep. really is, and um, and we have to we have to reflect that, you know. And um, it's just been really really important that I leave my own personal opinions out of things, you know, and allow the students to um, explore, you know, and come up with their own, you know, opinions. I love it. Um- So is there
1: anything else you can think of just like, oh man, I, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't see this coming or I didn't, I didn't expect to, you know, I I knew what teaching and coaching was like, but you know, when I was in my thirties or my early forties or whatever, I started to realize like, is there anything you can think of maybe one or two more things that you might want to share with somebody that's exploring this route, maybe not to push them away, but just for them to make a really Sound decision to make sure it's the right fit.
0: Yeah, I would say, um, you know, a couple of different two two things. Um, number one is technology. You know how technology has just changed the field of education. It's changed everything, as you know, everything. No matter what profession you are in, you know, um, technology has impacted you, and and teaching, you know, is no different. You know, in fact, we have to be on the cutting edge, you know, of technology. And I don't always reflect that cutting edge. In fact, in many cases, I learn from my students and they actually like teaching me, you know, and I'm very, very appreciative of that, you know. Um, You know, and then, um, you know, the second thing is, you know, just the role that families play, Mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, their students you know, education, you know, and how a teacher isn't, is so much more than just a teacher, but we're a counselor, we're a mentor, you know, we're a pseudo parent at times, you know, we just, we're a coach, you know, uh, we're an encourager, you know, we just have a, we just wear a lot of different hats, you know? And so you have to be prepared for that, that, you know, really teaching and coaching is a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It's like being a farmer it's like being a minister it's like being a um, you know a police officer you know um or a firefighter it's it's really a it's a lifestyle you know and yeah. you need to be prepared for that and and really embrace it
1: so i'm just thinking out loud i uh you know as a teacher i've seen you articulate speak distribute you know your knowledge right um as a coach, excuse me. Yeah. What about the skill set of I mean, I know you have that, but the skill set of developing curriculum, like behind the scenes when you're sitting at home at night trying to figure out what the heck, you know, am I gonna how am I gonna what am I gonna talk about and and what steps? Like how much of that goes into your life as far as the back end stuff?
0: A lot. I mean, I I uh I spend a lot of time thinking <laughs> and um you know, I don't I don't think a lot of people give me credit for that because, um, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty engaged and moving and going. And and um, but, you know, I drive and, and think a lot, um, you know, now I'm uh, my kids are grown, so I have time in the evenings. And and, you know, I think a lot about, um, you know, different ways of doing things, you know, and um, and how to get the kids excited about. You know what we're doing. I do a lot with current events. You know, in my civics class, and so I'm always tapped into what's going on in the world and how to get this to the kids. You know, um, and to pique their interest about what's going on because so many of them don't want to know because it's bad news. You know, and it doesn't have to be bad news if you know a little bit about what's going on and and all of that so you know I do spend a lot of time um on curriculum you know as far as developing curriculum you know get with get with your your fellow teachers you know your department chairs and the leaders in your department and listen to how they the things that they do and and the techniques that they use and beg borrow and steal Mm -hmm. you know um And and that's and that's really what I do. Um, I I listen and observe a lot of um, other teachers that I have a lot of respect in.
1: So I was just thinking, swipe and adapt. Like in my world, a lot of people like take something and change it up a little bit. Um, When you're talking, I was just in my mind thinking, you know, we all have opinions. We all have, um, we all you know have uh, you know whether it's political or whatever. But in your world, you know, I'm guessing your incentive or your intention when you're developing curriculum isn't to like sway your students. Um, so, what's the trick in? You know, I think sometimes that does happen with teachers where they they go in with a strong opinion. So, when you have a strong opinion on something, but you're trying to develop curriculum without an intention to sway, is that difficult to do?
0: Um, yeah, it can be. You know, um, but you just, you know, you just need to pay attention to that and, and be really thoughtful of that, you know, okay. and and to understand that, you know, um, you know where you are. And, and I think you kind of need to know your community. You know, um, I might be I might be able to be a teacher at Linden, Washington and be able to teach a little bit different than I would at Garfield High School or at Mount tai High School. You know, so I think it's really important for you to know your community, you know, and and to come out of that way, you know. So, yeah, just an awareness is really, really important. And also to know that this is not your classroom. It's not, you know, um, it's the kids classroom, you know, and you're doing your you're doing them a disservice if you, you know, if you teach them how to think you know or what to think excuse me you want you want to teach them kind of how to think and to problem solve you know and those kinds of things and if you're teaching them what to think you're not doing it
1: i love it that's Um, really a driver
0: in what what i you know what guides me
1: so you said did you start coaching in 90 or teaching in 92 or just coaching
0: um, I was the head football coach at Mount Tai High School in 1992, but my first teaching job was in 1988 at Kent Ridge High School.
1: When I graduated. Nice. Um, yeah. So my question is, have you seen over the years, like I'm trying to think how to articulate this, like I love coaching and like, I'm kind of, I like to joke around and I like to, I don't like to be... Um, I like to be a little different in my approach. I want to like, I want these kids to have fun and smile and not take life too serious and realize it's a game. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of kids get really stuck <laughs> on you know being perfect. And, and so my approach is always just to kind of maybe not be a dad-like stereotypical dad, just to kind of have fun with them and, and joke around with them. As far as reaching kids from when you started in 88 till now, Like, is there a trick or two, like, have you seen kids change in terms of how you reach these kids Uh, or has it been a consistent method all along? And I guess, what's the trick to to getting in these kids? um, I don't want to say heart, but getting the trust, building the trust to allow them to, like, really be who they are.
0: Yeah. You know, one of my favorite sayings is kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care you know, kids don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And um, I start every off season. I started every off season with our initial meeting with that on the front page of our coaches packet, you know, and I made it really, really important to our, to my assistant coaches that this is where, you know, we come from a place of caring and love, you know, and that the kids really. They're not going to listen to us until they until they really know that we care about them as people you know and so that has never changed you know that has never changed people are people you know um and if they know that you really care for them they will run through a brick wall for you um they will and so however you go about that um you know one of the one of my other f- Uh, you know, things that I go by is, um, you know, I want to be friendly with my players and I want to be friendly with my parents, not necessarily friends. They have enough friends. I have enough friends. Um, We're we're not friends, but we're friendly. And so I've always wanted a real friendly atmosphere, lively atmosphere. Always wanted to get to know my students and my players. I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know what makes them happy, what makes them sad. And those are the things that I spent a lot of time on, Um, you know, and and as my career grew and I um, developed my coaching staff, I had coaches that were really, really good with X's and O's and, and scheme that freed me up really to do the things that I love to do. And that was working with the kids. You know, I would bring in mental coaches you know, um, that, you know, would, would, would give them skills to deal with, with issues that they deal with, you know, and then I just spent a lot of time on getting to know our kids and spending a lot of time with them. Like I was in the weight room every day with our kids, you know, for 30 years, I got to know them. Um, I got to know their parents, um, you know, I I loved my parent community, you know, and got along really well with them. It doesn't mean we always agreed. It doesn't mean that we didn't have issues. And the issues that I ever had with parents, um, really, the bottom line was that we were both passionate. You know, they were passionate about their child. And I was passionate about our football program, and that I needed to run it, you know, um, from that standpoint, that I couldn't, individualize what each parent wanted, but I had to do what was best for the program. And sometimes, you know, you'd get those loggerheads, but ultimately, you know, I tried to take the time to get to know the people and, and it was really, really important for parents to understand that their coach came from a good spot. And so I spent a lot of time doing that.
1: So as a teacher, I so, you know, I pick up my son, we drive him to school. I know the hours of school when I'm thinking about careers and when people are, I I don't think a lot of folks think about in terms of like, like for me, I didn't realize like how important it was for me to wake up with my kids and go to bed with them and drive them to school, coach them. I couldn't miss a birthday, I couldn't miss a holiday. But mm. at 23, 24, I, I didn't think like that. I didn't know how important that was. So the the trick or the dance in this podcast is Sometimes you've got to take action to experience life to understand what the heck you like in life and what's important to you. I get that. But I also feel like some of the stuff is super obvious and should be paid attention to. So the the quandary is how to expedite the awareness of who you are and what you should be doing, you know, at an earlier stage so you don't get locked into a career uh, we call them handcuffs to maybe where you can't get out, you know, you're old enough and it's too old to change careers, or you've already spent 10 years going to medical school, whatever. My, my question is, is there any advice you can give to a younger adult high school, you know, people that are like freaked out. You, we talked about that earlier about some of the kids are just really freaked out about what to do. Is there any advice that you might be able to alleviate some of that pressure by, you know, maybe just, lowering the bar a little bit and the expectations and, you know, making it a little more simple for them.
0: You know, I think we're always in this, um, we're always evolving and changing. And, um, you know, I started teaching and coaching and, you know, I was single. Um, I didn't have a family, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, six, seven years later, I'm married. I have a family, my, you know, things change and evolve. And I think if you go into anything, knowing that your personal circumstances and your professional circumstances are going to change, you know, and you need to be flexible and you need to be a communicator and communicate through that chaos, you know, and it's okay to change, you know. I can remember as a young teacher going home and grading papers at night, you know, and sitting there and there might be a ball game on or whatever. And, and, um, you know, I had dinner and I'm sitting down in the easy chair and I've got a stack of papers on my on my lap. And once my kids came along, I couldn't do that. I was with them. So what does that mean? Well, I'm up early in the morning, you know, and I kind of made a pact with myself. No more planning and grading at night. Cause I have my family. So I was up in the morning, you know, and I was, I was at school between six and six 15 every morning, my whole career, you know, because, um, because I just, I just made sure that I was available to my family, you know, when they needed me, you know, and I still missed a number of things. I also included my family when we talk about it being a way of life, te- teaching and coaching, you know, my, my teaching and coaching never took me away from my family. I included my family, you know, my personal family with my wildcat family. Shoot, I drug my kids along to the weight room. And, and you know, my little boy and little girl, they, they love coming to the weight room and coming to the gym. And they were gym rats and field rats. And, you know, so your life changes. Be ready to evolve and change. You know, um, your, your um, priorities are going to change. You know and it's a constant evolution you know and that's a good thing so
1: oh, i like it um if you could take us you 88 is when you started where did you go to high school
0: i i went to high
1: school at issaquah high school oh i'm sorry if you said that issaquah yep. right. okay yeah so kind of looking back do you remember were there any signs of like that i mean things that stuck out in you know whether it was a a, a parent relationship or a friend or a, an experience in high school or college that kind of led you in the direction? I mean, or was it like, hey, I have no idea. Let's just pick pick this road and go down this road. Or did you have a feeling at an early age of what you might do?
0: You know, I, I teaching and coaching is kind of a family, uh, family profession, you know, a family occupation. Uh, My dad's brother was a uh, professor at the collegiate level. Um, My mom had two brothers that were teachers. I have numerous aunts and and cousins that have gone into that field. Um, So one of the things that I learned early on is we would have big family gatherings and I would come across these people. And the happiest people in the room were the teachers. Um, They were just always in a good mood and always happy, you know, and I picked up on that. Um, I don't think I sat there and noticed that. I noticed that they were happy, but I didn't equate it with them and their occupation until later on, you know, and, um, you know, in particular, my uncle Boyd, um, he was, he was the happiest, he was the happiest person in the room, you know, and he taught and coached for a very, very long time. And you know he was a guy that I looked to, you know, and watched very, very closely, and I followed, followed him, you know, and uh, and so it, it was kind of a family occupation, you know. And then of course I like sports. I was always, um, I think I was always kind of considered a leader on the teams that I would be a part of. I think coaches felt comfortable coming to me. You know, I can remember one year. Um, it would have been my sophomore year in high school. And, and I was lucky enough to wrangle myself onto the varsity team. And and uh, we were getting ready to pay, play Sammamish High School. And, you know, in the 70s and, and 80s, you know, Sammamish, boy, they, they were darn good. And, you know, Newport and Sammamish and Interlake were the best. You know, they really were. They were really, really good when I was going through in the late 70s and early 80s. And and um, I was a sophomore and we had to play against Sammamish High School and we had a scout pick up some really, really um, important keys. And our senior linebacker uh, got hurt. And so as a sophomore, we went, went with a no huddle defense and I had to call out the the defensive scheme depending on what the offense how the offense was lined up. And that was a lot on the plate of a 15, 16 year old um who was just trying to survive against Rob Rask and Dave Sargent and these guys that were just absolute kinko studs. Oh yeah. And and um and so I, I learned early on right there that, you know, coaches put a lot of trust in me and I must have something, you know, I used to think. And so
1: I love yeah. that story. As a 15 year old, that is a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So was that the era like Tom Flick? Was he playing at Interlake? Tom,
0: Tom's a little bit older. You know, okay. I was uh, Steve Steve uh, Yeah, He's a year older than I was, yep. um, but I, I played against Steve Palour and his Interlake teams, uh, a team at, for our Kinko championship in 1979, I guess it would have been.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I remember, I think Interlake was where I was going to go. I grew up in Bridal Trails. I think, was it Jacques Robinson, or was he a running back for Interlake? Um, uh, I thought something around that. Anyway. So yeah, those guys were good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. um, So let me, uh, while we wind this thing down, um, looking back, like I I always ask this question to my guests, is there anything you would have done knowing what you know now? I think I know the answer to this, but anything you would have done different knowing what you know?
0: You know, um, I I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I would just encourage anybody that's interested in teaching and coaching um, to find ways to teach and coach you know, and it can be, you know, it can be in any form or fashion, but get with people, start building relationships, figure out where you want to be, you know, where you want to live, all those kinds of things, you know, and get into the community, be community minded, um, you know, and understand that to do it right, um, you really need to make it a, a way of life, you know, and live in the community that you teach in if you can, if you can afford it, um, you know, um, live in the community that you work in, uh, attend activities. I've been to, I can't count how many school plays I've been in, been to at Mount Sai High School. I can't count how many Concerts, band concerts I've been to because I enjoy it. And I love watching students in other realms outside of my classroom. And I love making that connection with those kids coming in the next day and say, wow, I, I I loved what you did in the play last night. You were there. Yeah, I was there. You know, that's what I do. Those are the, that's what's fun. And so, you know, I made it a way of life and I enjoyed and have enjoyed every minute of it, you know, um, and it, it's been hard. It is hard work. Um, but it's enjoyable work, you know. And so, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've gone about it the right way. My teaching, uh, my coaching career ended. Um, I wasn't pushed out. I wasn't asked to leave. Um, I didn't leave because we lacked talent. I didn't leave because I hated it. I wanted to leave when I still loved it. And I did. It was just time. It was just time. COVID was a really tough last couple of years. We didn't really know how to deal with it. Nobody did. Our educational leaders um, didn't know how to deal with it, and either did the coaches and everybody in between, you know. And and so we were kind of sleepwalking through it, and it was it was really really difficult. But um, I knew when it was time, and so then all of a sudden, a job opens up at um, our big picture, big picture school here in the Snoqualmie Valley, called Two Rivers, and um, I jumped all over it. And it's been a great change for me. And um, I'm hoping the students are getting used to me. It's taking a little bit of time, but um, we're growing together. And, and um, I love who I work for and who I work with at Two Rivers. They're great people. And and I'm in a good spot and really still excited about going to work every day. I'm 60 years old. This is my 35th year teaching and um, I'm pretty excited. I really am.
1: That's awesome. Um, one question I have is, you know, let's just take, um, you can't teach, you can't coach. Is there a dream job like maybe where you don't tell no one knows about you, like something that you, You know like for me i i wish i could write music and perform and um you know write music for movies is something i think i would love to do is there something a dream job that you have that um you would you know if you couldn't teach and coach that you would want to do
0: well you know um i love politics Mm -hmm. you know i really do and um i think i would love to try my hand at being a politician Um, You know, uh, I know that comes, you know, that word politician comes with, uh, you know, a negative connotation for many, Uh, not for me, because I understand politics. And I honestly believe that most politicians, like everybody else, come from a good spot and are in it for the right reasons. So, you know, I would I would probably say I would like to give my give my shot at, at, at being a politician and trying to make um, you know, make life better for people.
1: Well, I think you would have no problem getting the vote in (laughs) Snoqualmie Valley. Uh, Coach, thanks for coming on. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I wish no big deal, but I wish my son could have experienced you in high school. Um, but I know that you're still around and I know that you always say hi to him and he feels pretty good about that. And, uh, it's an honor to meet you and, um, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Well, Hey Dirk, this is a beginning, not an ending. And, and, uh, I'm always going to be there. I'm kind of the grandfather, you know, of, of the Wildcat football program. Uh, you know, I care deeply about the program and, and, um, where it's headed and I think it's the brightest days are ahead. And I do see your boy a couple of times a week and he's, he's always locked in and he always looks me in the eye and he's always very friendly. And, and those are, um, you know, that that's a sign of a good parent. So hmm. nice job.
1: Yeah. He, uh, he's a, got a good heart. He's a sweet yeah. boy. Um, yeah.
0: Well,
1: yeah. thanks coach. I know I'll bump in you here soon. And, uh, th- thanks
0: for taking the time. Thank you, Dirk. Appreciate it. And, uh, we'll talk soon. Thank All you. right. All right.